Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the show. My name is Aspen Meineke. I'm an engineer turned STEM educator, public speaker, and science communication coach. I created the Science Communication Made Easy podcast to not just talk about science communication, but actually give you these simple step-by-step strategies to help you, whether you're looking to get started or wanting to level up your communication skills. So if you want my secrets on all things content creation, public speaking, confidence, how to beat burnout and fight imposter syndrome, this is the place for you. It's time to find your voice and share your story. So let's get started. Hey y'all, welcome back to episode two. So today's episode is for anyone interested in doing science communication but doesn't know where to get started. I haven't really found many resources online about how to get started besides paying for a course that costs $3,000. And let's be real, no student has just $3,000 lying around. I really believe there should be some ways to learn basic science communication skills for free, which is why I created this podcast. So today, first, we need to define what exactly science communication is. So science communication is such a broad term, and I've seen a wide range of different types of science communication and many different definitions. And some people think it's all about trying to become some Instagram influencer or the next Bill Nye the Science Guy, which is not at all what it is about. So a paper published in 2003 gave the definition as defined as the appropriate skills, media, activities, and dialogue to produce one or more of the following personal responses to science. Awareness, enjoyment, interest, opinion forming, and understanding. Okay, that was a mouthful. So that paper is called Science Communication, a Contemporary Definition, if you're interested in looking it up and reading it. Uh, But to me, science communication is all about connecting and empowering your audience with scientifically backed information. So let's talk about that first part, which is connecting. All right, let's be real for a second. The world of STEM can be really lonely and even isolating at some times. I remember my intro to engineering class and they give you that typical talk, look to your left, look to your right, only one of you will be here next semester. And I remember looking around the room and noticing that my full lecture hall of over 100 people, there were only maybe four other girls. And then later that semester, I went into a club for women in engineering and there were more guys in the club than girls. So it's important for us to find our tribe of people whether that's in person or online, and you should use science communication as a way to build relationships, whether that is between you and other people in your field or your ideal audience. So for your audience and when you're creating content, people don't like being lectured to, but they like talking and debating with friends. So be your audience's friend. Being a good content creator means that you genuinely care about your audience and that you're interested in making a connection with them. Remember, behind every username is a heartbeat and a real person. All right, now that we understand what science communication is, now I want you to think about your why. So why are you wanting to do science communication? So this is something personal to you and only you can answer. Is it because you wish there was someone like you when you were younger? awareness for what you're working on? Do you want to connect with other people in the STEM world? There is no right or wrong response. But once you have it, I want you to write it down on a piece of paper and tape it next to your workspace. 
Your why is what will continue to fuel you during your science communication journey when you're burnt out or have writer's block. When you see people who are motivated all the time, it's not because they've listened to the right motivational video, it's because they have a strong connection to their why and to their purpose for doing that. All right, now who should be doing science communication? Anyone, as long as you have the appropriate background knowledge to be speaking on the subject and a passion for what you do. No boring brooks here. You don't need a PhD, and it's not just for scientists. Engineers, mathematicians, computer scientists, tech wizards should be all connecting and sharing what they know with others. And I know some people might not want to hear this, and they might roll their eyes and say, it's not part of my job description, I don't get paid for it, so I'm not doing it. Instead of thinking that, I want you to think of science communication as an extension of what you do. Another tool in your toolbox a way to share what it is you spend so much time doing with the rest of the world. Another skill that you can add to even help grow your career. As an engineer or a scientist, would you ever turn down a new machine or a new software to help your research? No, and you should think of science communication the exact same way. All right, now let's talk about your audience. So who is your audience? A lot of times you'll hear people in the science communication world talk about communicating to the public or the general public. Well, the problem with that is that it is so broad. Who is the public? The whole world? If you're making content for everybody, you're essentially making content for no one. You cannot please all millions and billions of people in the world. So instead, I refer to them as your ideal audience. So your ideal audience is whoever that person is in the world that you want consuming your content. Who are you making your content for? So you should be able to know the age, demographic, education experience. You should be so clear on who that person is that it should feel like a real person because they are a real person. You should be able to identify your ideal audience out of a crowd of a thousand people. When you're online, you should be able to look at somebody's profile and say, hey, that's my ideal audience. And the reason you wanna be able to do this is so you can then connect with that person and get your content to that person that needs it. And so an example of this would be Bill Nye the Science Guy. His ideal audience was elementary school students because he was creating an educational science show for kids. And then on the other hand, if you've ever seen Cosmos, their ideal audience is high school to adults. And so they're creating a science program for adults. And so as you can see, both parties have created content around who their ideal audience is that is consuming their content. So some may think science communication is all about having the fanciest YouTube setup or the most perfect photos, and that is just not true. You don't need the iPhone 1000 to be creating science communication content. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just make sure whatever you're doing is authentic to you. Be the real you. If you are super outgoing and energetic, be super outgoing and energetic online. If you are more laid back and chill, then be that person because there is somebody out there who is just like you and wanting somebody like them to create content for them. At the end of the day, it's all about making connections 
and creating valuable content, which we will be jumping into in part two of this episode. I will be talking about creating content for your audience that is informational and entertaining. So please screenshot this episode, tag me on Instagram, and tell me what your favorite quote is from this episode. Please rate, review on Apple Podcasts, and tell me what you loved most. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to be alerted when I post new episodes every single week. Also, if you're a woman in STEM, don't forget to join my free online community for more SciComm trainings. Link in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next week for part two of Getting Started in Science Communication.